1: Hey, I'm Billy Hollowell, and welcome to the PureFlix podcast. This is a weekly show where we offer you interviews with your favorite pastors and celebrities, insight, inspiration, and a preview of what's to come, and faith and family-friendly entertainment. Let's get started today with a little bit of inspiration. Now, I'm sure a lot of you guys know about our Pure Flix Insider blog, but if you don't, you can head over to insider.pureflix.com. There's lots of daily content that will inspire you, uplift you, and, and really just help you navigate your faith or even learn about faith. So one of the things that we have over on the blog right now is a list of eight ways that you can stick to your daily Bible reading routine. I know for me, one of the big challenges is, you know, keeping up with reading, making sure that I'm finding time. You know, ideally, starting first thing in the morning with reading scripture and devotions and even journaling, that's been the most efficient for me. But some days, you know, you've got the kids running around, you've got a dog to take care of, you've got a million things to do for work. Sometimes, you know, we, we neglect to make that time. So I want to kind of go through just four of those eight, and if you want to get the full list, hop on over to the blog to check that out. But just four quick tips that I think can really help any of us who are looking to get a little deeper in our faith, to make sure we're keeping up with our Bible reading. The first is to make a daily commitment. And that might mean saying, look, this is the most important thing. So make sure that I'm centered, that I'm reading scripture, so I'm going to set aside time for 10, 15 minutes, even a half an hour in the morning. I'm gonna get up early. I'm gonna do whatever it is I have to do to make sure I have that extra time to keep that commitment because the start, really, of of having this regular Bible reading routine, I think, is saying to yourself, this is something that matters and I'm gonna do it. And that can be hard, it's easy to fall out of routines, but that really is the first step uh, to keeping that routine. The second, and this is just a recommendation that um has really helped me is to keep a journal. Keep up with your daily Bible reading through journaling. And for me, keeping a journal is sort of like, you know, prayer. I pray through my journal. If I read interesting scripture, I write it down. Um, I try really hard to reflect on that scripture. What does it mean for my life? What is God trying to say to me through it? Um, and the third thing I would say, sign up for a digital Bible study. I think a lot of us aren't sure where to start with the Bible sometimes and we know we want to read every day, but we kind of need a guide. And if you go over to YouVersion um, or even head over to Insider.PureFlix.com and search on our blog for Bible reading plans, we have lots of recommendations um, and a couple of articles that you could check out. But YouVersion will actually allow you for free to sign up for a ton of Bible studies that you can work through specific books, the entire Bible, or go topically through scripture. So the first thing was make a daily commitment. The second was Keep a journal. You know, that's just a tip that I would say is really powerful. Writing out those thoughts and those prayers, signing up for a digital Bible study is the third. And then the fourth is to get an accountability partner. And if you don't know what that is, it's just a person who's going to keep you accountable, meaning that, you know, maybe you read with this person, maybe you meet once a week on the phone or in person for coffee or to chat just about how you're doing with your faith, how you're doing with keeping up on readings. It's always nice to kind of have a person to talk it through with because then you know you've both read it, you've both put the time in, and it holds you accountable To doing that. So, when you have an accountability uh, partner for daily Bible readings or weekly Bible readings, it's a really helpful um, element to keeping up on your faith. So, those those are just four of the tips. We've got eight full tips over on insider.pureflix.com that you can check out. Now, as you know, if you've been listening to the podcast here, this is our fourth episode. We always bring on an interesting guest. We've had Mike Rowe on the show, we've had Will Graham. We've had um, a lot of other people so far, a number of other people. Now we've got comedian Jeff Allen today. We're going to welcome him to the show. If you don't know Jeff, you can check out his comedy. He's very funny. Over on PureFlix.com, he's in shows like PureFlix Comedy, All Stars, Apostles of Comedy. You can search those over on the platform on PureFlix.com and watch them. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the show today. How are you?
2: <laughs> you don't ask, never ask a 62 year old how they're doing. I-
0: yeah, 62, for your guy,
2: guys your age was it's a rhetorical question for me it's literal so I'll start with my operations and hey sixty two uh, is young still it is it's the it's the old uh, sixty so. <laughs> I was gonna say it's the it's
1: the new thirty but whatever you whatever right, you want to go
2: right.
1: with <laughs> exactly so you, you've got a lot going on you've done com- comedy forever now and you've done projects with Pureflix you've also got uh, a new tour Make Comedy Great Again which is it's interesting, the title of that tour to me, because it sounds very political. Like It makes you think of you know, Make America Great Again, but what can you tell me about the nature of this, of this comedy tour?
2: Well, when they called, uh, the producers called and wanted to know if I'd be interested in it, when I heard the title, I said, oh, God, I'm so exhausted. No, <laughs> I don't want to do this. And they said, no, no, we want no politics. We want... Um, just clean, uh, funny, and absolutely no politics. And I said, uh, well, it's odd because of the title. But uh, anyway, they put four of us together. We went out for six trial runs. And uh, if the response from the audience is any indication, it's, it's, it's good. People are tired. Of,
1: uh, People are exhausted. People are exhausted from the chaos, right? So you guys are offering something that isn't. It's chaos. a respite. That's great. Yeah. That's
2: Take a break, you know, on the weekend, come on out, laugh for a couple hours, and then climb the pony on Monday and start yelling at all your friends and neighbors again. you know so. it's a break from the chaos. It's just a little it little break That's get it. right back yeah. here. just to reply just to
1: realize there's something other than that, you know uh, well, to laugh about you've been you've been doing this for a long time and in a world in which, Comedy so often, I think, especially in the last decade, it's really dirty a lot of times. There's a lot of stuff in it that you know. You obviously it's not family friendly many times, and we see this with sitcoms now. You turn on TV at eight o'clock, and it's like, what in the world is going on? What what for you attracted you into the realm of sort of the clean comedy world, and how do you do it so effectively?
2: Well, I got called into school one day. My son was in fourth grade, and he dropped a couple f bombs, and. Uh, we get called in one of those meetings with the teacher, you know, and uh, I looked at, I said, I would love to look you in the eye and tell you, I have no idea where my child heard that kind of language. But uh, truth was I talked that way at home. I talked that way in my show. I talked, you know, so I started paying him a quarter for every cuss word that he heard come out of my mouth. And um, anyway, uh, after a couple of weeks, I, I got tired of paying him. So I, I cleaned up everything. And then there came a point comedy wise, I saw Andrew Dice Clay, uh, a show of his, and I looked at my wife and I said, the next guy who's ever gonna break through to become a major star in comedy is gonna, dirty, he's gonna have to go beyond that. And there was no way I could see myself. So I was literally too dirty to be clean and too clean to be dirty. So I, and it was, I was moving in that direction anyway through my faith journey. but I wasn't there yet, but uh, it was more of a, a business decision in initially uh, just to see if I could uh, do it. And as a storyteller, um, I, mean, I tell Young Comics today, yeah, get a thesaurus. We have an amazing language. It's, it's
1: amazing, you know. I like that. Get a, get a thesaurus. Well, have you been surprised at all by the level to which entertainment has fallen when it comes to content? I mean, especially, like I said, the last decade, I mean, has any of this, because you mentioned, it, like, it seems like a while ago you were sort of looking at this and saying this is where it's going to head.
2: Well, it's interesting to me. It's uh, I think uh, when Eddie Murphy came out and hit big, uh, they asked Bill Cosby about it, and he said, uh, you know, Richard Pryor if you took out all the 13 letter adjectives, there was a great act there. And then by the time Murphy came around, if you took out the 13 letter adjectives, it was an act, but not a great act. And now, not everybody, believe me, but there's a number of guys that if you took all the 13 letter adjectives out, there wouldn't be much content there. Mm-hmm. And I think you get lazy intellectually. Um, and reinforced when you go into a club, and you do something like that and it gets laughs, well, you know, why wouldn't you keep doing it? Um,
1: yeah, and it's, it's interesting you say it's lazy because it does seem that a lot of it is, that you, you're appealing to sort of these human nature on some level, right? When you talk about sex, you talk about some of these other issues, you're, you're not thinking creatively, I would assume, and trying to figure out how do you make people laugh about real everyday things? Not, not you know, hurling expletives and talking about these you know, random issues, but how do you really dig deep to relate to people in their everyday life? And it seems like you've been able to do that very successfully.
2: Well, I've always said that for me, uh, comedy begins with truth, a truth. And then you see if you can find something absurd about it or something that people can at least relate to. If there's no relationship between you and the audience, you know, uh, Steve Martin used to do a, a, a joke up front, and it was all these plumbing references and the audience is just staring at me and he goes, wow, that killed at the plumber's convention. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, yeah. If they, if they can't relate to what you're talking about, you know, uh, and someone asked me once, you know, in an interview, uh, what'd you do before you had a family? Well, I starved. I mean, I, I basically talked about alcohol and drugs because that was basically what I did. And we were just, I do a writer's night at my house once a month with young comics and, uh, we were just talking about this uh, Monday night. Um, uh, I was working with a guy named Larry Miller years ago. Very funny comic, very successful, and uh, great storyteller. I loved Larry Miller, and uh, I was complaining because I wasn't writing any new stuff. And he goes, "Well, get off the couch." And I, mean, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, I've only been with you for two days, but all I see is you. You go to the club, you know. You come home at four in the morning, and then you lay here until four in the evening, and then you go to the club, you know, and have dinner, and so." how could you write anything about life if you're not at least experiencing life? So he goes, go to the mall, walk around, start looking at things, you know, and uh, and I'd like to tell you, I jumped up off the couch and ran to the mall, but uh, (laughs) it took a while, but But
1: I'll
2: tell you what, that little seed, I never forgot. That's true.
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's great advice. And then you mentioned obviously drugs and alcohol and what was going on in your life. What was the impact of that? I mean, you just sort of hinted at it, but what was the impact of drugs and alcohol on your actual functioning life?
2: Well, I'm a, a, come point came, became an alcoholic. I mean, I couldn't function. But um, at that point in my life, in my 20s, uh, you know, I used to say, you know, if you like to nap a lot, get a job at a mattress factory. You know, if you like to drink, get a job at a bar. So I, I got very lucky in my comedy that I started in 1978. By 1980, it exploded. There was literally more clubs than comedians. So I got to be paid to be bad as a comedian, and learn some craft. So by the time I got married eight years later, and uh, was ready to quit drinking, uh, I had some skills. And by then, I was headlining clubs, and uh, and I was making a decent living at it. But the alcohol and drugs, I you know, I don't know. I, matter of fact, this Thanksgiving. It was my first night on stage. I left my parents' house drunk, and I ran into an open mic, and uh, that was Thursday. Sunday, I went back for an open mic, and the MC came over to me and said, you're going to have to make some sense tonight. We're still trying to figure out what you said Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, so, what, what would you say for you, what was it first, because I want to talk about you finding God, but what was it that first led you to say, I'm going to stop drinking? You know, what, what took you to that point? Well, I had a problem
2: with it since i started i had blackouts you know um from the minute i started drinking uh, i couldn't place nights so by the time i was i started 14 or 15 and by the time i was 20 21 i knew i was different than my friends I, one i couldn't get up and go to work i'd lay around uh you know i'd wash jobs um I couldn't remember. They would tell me about things I said or did the night before, and I'd laugh. And you know, knowing in my mind, I I, I couldn't had no clue what they were talking about. So I knew I was different. And then my brother was an alcoholic. So by the time I hit the age of twenty nine or thirty, I went to my first counselor, uh, therapist. And uh, she said, "Tell me about your history." I said, "Well, my dad drank. My uh, my brother." And she said, "Uh, "Are they? You know, is your brother older?" I go, "Yeah." She says, "Well, you've seen the movie. That's where you're headed." So you can climb off now or you can wait until, so that started me, you know, and I would make, I made a year once, but I was still doing cocaine. So <laughs> I don't call that sobriety. But um, after that, I would go a week at a time, two weeks at a time, four weeks at a time I, to, to try to convince myself I wasn't. My favorite test of whether or not you're an alcoholic was pick a number, three drinks, four drinks. And you have to drink those every night for 30 days. But you can't go any more than that. You can't go any less than that. You have to drink three or four drinks and stop. I never made more today. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I would, yeah. Never made more today. I just couldn't. So, you know, when I started, I couldn't stop.
1: So eventually you came to the decision that it needed, you needed to stop
2: because it was- Yeah, it was going to kill me. And then when I got married and had kids, it got really bad. Uh, just uh, I couldn't lay around. 12 hours yeah.
1: a day. you know yeah, my kids wife. have a way kids have a way of making sure that you you don't do that right so it's uh, and my wife
2: my wife yeah. uh, would would put both feet on me in the morning and shove me onto the floor and say get up those boys need a father
1: at what, point, at what point did you find God? Because that, that's another really interesting part of your story. So how long after, you know, were, were there, was there an overlap there between using substances and finding God?
2: Well, I started with the 12-step program. And they said, pray. I said, to what? Um, I didn't believe in God. Uh, and uh, that started the journey. I saw in those rooms what a relationship with a higher power did. So I wanted that. The third step is came to believe. I think came to believe. No, the second step is came to believe a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And then you. Uh, but the third step was my sticking point. What is that? What does it look like? And I'm just seven, eight years into it. I mean, I started with, you know, my first therapist I went to for uh, for marriage. Uh, Tammy and I got into an argument one night, and uh, I stood on a chair in the kitchen you know, sober and screamed at her until she fell to her knees. And then my son, I put him to bed that night and he said, daddy, you win. I go, what do you mean? He goes, you yell, mommy cries, you win. Not one of my prouder moments as a man. And I went downstairs and told Tammy, you know, I need I need help. She goes, you think, Uh, you know, so I went to a therapist. and she put road less traveled into my hands. uh, Scott Peck's book. And um, that started me on the, looking for the higher power. I just didn't understand it. I mean, I I, you know, I used to say to people, if I'm making up a deity, that makes me delusional. <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, I mean, if, if it's great for one of those, you know, you hear that a lot in the church, I'm spiritual. But right. What does it mean? I mean, if God exists or he doesn't, I mean, I'm going black or white on this. I don't believe in the gray area. Right, either a lot of people is, live in that
1: gray area somehow, which I don't. I know,
2: understand. but he is, or but not intellectually. I mean, I, you know, he is or he isn't. But uh, yeah. anyway, uh, you know, when real life happens, you know, death of a child, loss of a, uh, a job, cancer, and you're on your knees looking for some kind of calm in the midst of this, this storm and your brain is chirping to you. I mean, who, who or
1: what are you, what, what, what's the point of this? Was there a moment for you where it was just sort of like snap, you suddenly believe? Like, was there something that happened or was it more of a gradual progression or, or both? gradual um i uh seven eight years
2: and um i i I exhausted self-help buddhism new age uh matter of fact buddhism i came home and wanted to put my kids in a a monastery uh and tammy says over my dead body i said okay i was just throwing it out there that's how long it took her to talk me out of it you know so (laughs) i just said uh all right that's fine but i had a you know i had a theory was you know, I was a rage freak, my brother was a rage freak, my father was a rage freak. I had two boys. I didn't want them to be like I knew enough about psychology now that, you know, I am the 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 standard by which uh, my boys will be raised. If they see this behavior, they're gonna model it and, and be it. And I didn't want them to be like that. I mean I, I loathed myself and I knew I had issues. Uh, so anyway um, Was the last time you saw a road rage incident with a Buddhist monk? That's my point. Never, never, never. because they're pretty <laughs>
1: calm people. They chant. And, you know. Well, wh- what would you say if you if you looked back at you know Jeff Allen before becoming a Christian, Jeff Allen after? What what are the big differences you see?
2: Uh, the, the calmness, the, uh, not as what used to be, you know, a behavior five days a week as far as anger and. Uh, bitterness and cynicism and you know I, I was a nihilist i didn't even know there was a name for it until i read nietzsche and someone told me you know yeah he, that's nihilism i go oh i lived in that i was steeped in that for you know through my 20s and into my 30s um i had a guy from hbo tell me once why are you so angry hbo <laughs> <laughs> well, well, game of thrones know game of thrones violence <laughs> yeah so uh well, what? I made Tammy cry one night. Uh, 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 I was on stage talking about my marriage. And uh, she, I got off and she says, you must really hate me. And I said, it's comedy. You know, it's comedy. Well, now you tell very funny marriage. <laughs> related. Well, I do. I mean, I do. I, I, it's funny now because it's, it's, it's just that that's the difference. Yeah. That's the
1: difference. Your whole that's your so, whole being changes. You know, your whole absolutely yeah, the, the attributes of who you are, that, that's what changes. And you're not perfect. nobody's perfect, but you you're trying to be more like Christ. You're trying and, and a lot of it happens over time and gradually. So it's and we're always trying to be better, right? So that's the it's just, yourself. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean it's it's fascinating to watch to hear people though, because I grew up in church, right? So for me it's like I grew up with it, but you have to own it at some point for yourself. But when you talk to people who went, you know, my wife went from, you know, essentially atheism to Christianity. The, that is a fascinating dynamic uh, to me. And one thing, before I forget that, I wanted to ask you, totally unrelated subject. You've, you've done a lot for the military. You've been a big supporter of the U.S. military. Uh, and I wanted to ask, what, what is it that drives that for you? My son,
2: uh, he was in the military. And um, that was the genesis of it. Uh, he's long been out. But uh, he's, he's going through P- he went through PTSD. And um, uh, you, you, you read the statistics. These are people who sacrificed. I, I, I don't understand why you people can't look at that. I mean, I did shows on an aircraft carrier for six days or seven days. And the only thing louder than those planes taking off and landing was my whining. You know, I just, I couldn't stop complaining. I said, how do you guys do it? (laughs) You know, know, basically they were like, shut up, man. You know, we were kind of over it. Now you come on board. And so, uh, uh, he was gone for a year in Iraq. Um, wow. uh, the funny story about that was, uh, it's different today than certainly back in Vietnam where now you can at least talk to your kids, uh, you know, through Skype and, uh, phone calls and texts and you know hey I'm fine everything's going great blah 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 I'm on the base well anyway we didn't hear from him for about 10 days and my wife was freaking out so she has this idea she calls my other son and says is Aaron online gaming you know from Iraq and he said yeah he's on it just about every night she goes what's his screen name so she signs in and she says Aaron hi this is mommy call me (laughs) And all these guys from around the world are going, hi, mommy. How you doing, mommy? Great to hear from your mommy. Aaron, call your mommy. Did he call? <laughs> yeah, he called. He said, don't ever do that again. She says, don't ever go 10 days without talking. Right,
1: exactly. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a lesson learned for him. But I think, And I think to your point, the comedy in that, but the reality in that is that it's a sacrifice for the families, too, for everybody. Marriage,
2: the divorce rate. Yeah. Uh, you you take what's 50% in the culture is 80 to 90% within the military. It takes a special, a special couple to, be, uh, to put up with that. Because a lot of guys get in and they realize if I do 20 years, I got a nice pension. I'm going to make a life out of it. Um, and it's odd. A lot of people in the arts are military kids. I, I, you know, I go to acting class and probably half of them were raised um, with a military parent that they that travel is, around.
1: That is interesting. Yeah. That that well, you learn
2: to, uh, I guess, just uh, fit in. You learn to go into strange places and fit in and- uh, And
1: adapt because you-
2: not- And become other people, you know, which is what acting is. It's, you know.
1: So for anybody interested, because I could talk to you for hours here, but we're rounding out to the end here. For anybody interested in the Make Comedy Great Again Tour, where can they go to get information?
2: MakeComedyGreatAgainTour dot com and uh, my website Jeff dot uh, We did six uh, trial shows and I think we're putting together dates for uh, uh, next year. And uh, I just I'll, I'll find out today about a big tour with Salem Radio. Um, wow. We're looking at probably sixty plus dates with Salem You're Radio.
1: Busy twenty nineteen. I, so. I hope so. I hope so. To be busy for you.
2: Yeah, we uh there's uh four things that break up a marriage. Uh we've we've survived all four of them. Uh cancer and um uh, alcoholism, drug addiction, bankruptcy. Uh and uh and the last one we just survived was a remodel. So uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to pay for that. Yeah, oh, okay. oh,
1: I'm okay. telling you.
2: I when I read that, I thought, no way. But after we were living in the basement for three months, and I'm not making this up, Billy. Really, I was in the, We were in the middle of another argument, and uh, I I was this close to going. I want a divorce. I didn't mean it, but I was going to say it. I can't deal with this anymore. I want a divorce. And something distracted me. Fortunately, I got ADD. So Maybe God was you know speaking I, to
0: you a little yeah. bit.
2: I know. And I turned around, I looked at it and I realized what I was about to say. And I called a friend of mine who was a counselor, a uh, good friend. We have lunch a lot. And uh, anyway, I said, I need your professional services. I'm, uh, I'm in a bad place, man. And he it, it, it gets me down there and he goes, let me understand this. You just took on $200,000 worth of debt. and You're 61 years old. And I go, yeah. He goes, yeah, no wonder you're a little stressed. So uh, he said, just take a deep breath. You know, can you get out? I go no. They've got gutted my house like a trout. It's just it's 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 bad. So he said, "Well, then you have to accept it." And I go, "Well, that's what I don't want it." Do. So
1: anyway. Well, it's listen. Maybe a marriage book is in your future here. I don't know. I mean, if you can survive all those things, including the remodel, I think you've got a lot to teach the rest. We're in
2: the. I'm in the process of writing one right now. It's not. I don't know if it's a marriage book, but it's. I was uh,
1: gonna say, look, I'm here. I am predicting things. Well, we'll listen, we'll have to have you back again when the book comes out for sure. I appreciate it.
0: We'll be right back with more of the Pure Flix Podcast. Did you know you can access thousands of entertaining and inspiring faith and family friendly TV shows, movies, and original series? It's simple. Just log on to PureFlix.com right now to start your free one month trial. From kids content to some of the most uplifting films. We've got your entire family covered. Sign up today. And we're back with more of the Pure Flix podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Pure Flix podcast. Now, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about actor Chris Pratt. For those of you who don't know, he is a Christian. He talks a lot about his faith. And over the past year, we've really seen him... I think speak out more than I have in the past about what it is he believes and why he loves God And it's been interesting to watch. I think the reaction is pretty big. When you see somebody who's at that level of fame, who is speaking about faith, people tend to pay attention, especially when they do it in venues like the MTV Movie and TV Awards, right? These places where you wouldn't really expect to hear anything about God. Now, we wanted to break down just five Chris Pratt quotes about God in the Bible that are fascinating and interesting and really worth, I think, Paying attention to, So, let's go with the first. Now, this is a quote that Chris Pratt just recently said on The Late Show, and it was something he was talking to uh, Stephen Colbert about, and he said, "...if the spotlight that's shining on you is brighter than the light that comes from within you, it'll kill you." And he was talking about fame. He was asked by Stephen Colbert, you know, is it difficult dealing with fame? Do you ever feel like Daniel in the lion's den uh, when you're dealing with it? And he talked a lot. And you can find over on our blog um, on insider.pureflix.com a full write-up and the video of that interview. But talking about that spotlight and that light needing to come from within you and that that needs to bright. to to shine brighter than any of the lights above you or coming at you in other parts of Hollywood. I thought that was really fascinating. Now, that's our first quote, our second quote. And this happened on the stage of the 2018 MTV Movie and TV Awards when Chris Pratt got up and he said, God is real. God loves you. God wants the best for you. And he was talking to an audience of a lot of young people, right? And he's very aware of that. And um, there's some other quotes we'll get into here where he talks about the fact that he always wants to say he loves God in front of young people who are listening. But but again, God is real. God loves you. God wants the best for you. That's a message you don't always hear um, at the MTV Movie Awards. Uh, the third quote we're going to share, and this was also at the 2018 MTV Movie and TV Awards. It's a longer quote. Bear with me. I'm going to read it to you here. Nobody is perfect. People will tell you that you are perfect just the way that you are. You're not. You're imperfect. You always will be. But there's a powerful force that designed you that way. And if you are willing to accept that, you will have grace. And grace is a gift. Like the freedom that we enjoy in this country, that grace was paid for with somebody else's blood. Do not forget it. Don't take it for granted. Now, that was a quote that made a lot of waves at the time last year when he uttered it because it's, you know, you're talking about somebody else's blood, grace. I mean, these are themes that we hear quite frequently in Christian churches, right? So so kind of interesting. Now, we're going to move on to the next quote. This was at the Teen Choice Awards last year, a specifically youth-focused event. He said, I want to thank God. I always do that when I'm up on a platform in front of a bunch of young faces. And so it was interesting because there's an intentionality there, right, where he is saying where Chris Pratt is saying I when I'm in front of young people, I want to thank God. I think that's important to do. The last quote, he said this also at the Teen Choice Awards. I love God, that's my thing. I love him and you should too. So think whatever you want about Chris Pratt, his acting, um, and whatever other issues you want to you think about. But it is interesting to have somebody who is at that caliber in Hollywood saying the things that he is saying on a stage in front of millions upon millions of people. With that said, we're going to close out the show now. Thought it would be an interesting segment there to to throw your way. Would love to hear your thoughts on that. So feel feel free to let us know what your thoughts are um, on those quotes and on Chris Pratt's comments on stage. Now, as we close out the show, I want to point you guys to just one more interesting article. I think a lot of us are looking for inspiration throughout the day. Maybe you're looking for good scripture. We have an article up on the Pure Flix um, blog over on Pure Flix Insider. It's 20 short Bible verses about love for God and others. And you can take those short Bible verses with you. You could write them down. You could jot them down. You could bookmark the article. It's just a great way to keep your mind focused on loving God and loving others. Those are the two most important things we're supposed to be doing as Christians. Again, if you want to check that out, it's at insider.pureflix.com. Make sure you tune in next week for another episode of the Pureflix podcast. You can go to facebook.com slash PureFlix for more daily inspiration. You can also check out our blog again at insider.pureflix.com. Thanks for listening.
0: That's all for today's podcast. You can follow PureFlix on Facebook at facebook.com PureFlix and on Twitter at PureFlix. And be sure to log on today to pureflix.com for your free month of access to thousands of faith and family friendly movies and TV shows. Thanks for listening to the Pure Flix Podcast.